Okay, this is the Chumash portion for Friday of the week of Eschanan, and it is a very significant portion because we have in it the first paragraph of Shema. Shema is comprised of three paragraphs, which come from three different places in the Torah. And the first one is in this parsha of Eschanan. Next week's Akev will have the second. So we are going to explain these psukim, these verses that we say in the first paragraph of Shema. We're explaining them here. Of course, there's tremendous deep meanings and midrashim and commentators. We are just here learning Chumash and Rashi. So we are going to follow Rashi's explanation on this very significant first paragraph of Shema. So the opening words are, Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad. Hero Israel, God is our God. God is one. So Rashi explains this to mean that God is now our God, but not the God of the other nations. But by the times of the Messiah, of Mashiach, he will be, God will be one, because then all of the nations of the world will accept God. The next verse, you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your possessions. Sarash so explains, first on the words that you should love. And he says, this means, this is a commandment to serve him from love. Meaning, not just feel love, but serve him from love. Because you can't compare someone who serves from love to someone who serves from fear. If you serve from fear, then if it gets too much to you, you're just going to leave your master. But if you serve from love, you're going to stick with your master. Now, in this service from love, there were three phrases. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your possessions. With all your heart, Rashi gives us two explanations. The first is with both of your inclinations, with your Yetzir Tov and your Yetzir with your drive toward good and your drive toward evil. Meaning everything we should serve God with, we should do such a degree that we should transform our evil nature and that should become transformed to also be serving God. Second explanation with all your heart, that your heart should not be divided toward God, meaning you shouldn't question God. You shouldn't question if you see things in the world that seem not fair. Why is God doing this? Your heart should not be divided on God. Give God your whole purity of heart. Trust him. He knows what's best, and it's all ultimately good. That's with all your heart, with all your soul. So Rashi explains this to mean even if God takes your soul from you, meaning even if a person has to give up his life for God, that's the degree you should be willing to serve God. And with all your possessions, which literally is like with all of your ma'id. So the first explanation of Rashi is with all your money, with all your possessions. Now we could say, well, we already are giving God our life. Why are you adding this? But some people, they care about money more than anything. So for them, the ultimate thing is to serve God with all of their money. Another explanation, because obviously most people are not like that, hopefully. But with this ma'oid, which is the Hebrew of it, is like the word midah, with every trait, with meaning with every measure that God gives to you, serve him. When he gives you good, thank God. When he gives you things that don't seem to be good, 
thank God, with every measure connected to God and serve him with it. The next verse. And these words that I command you today should be on your heart. So what's going on here? So Rashi says on these this words, and these words that I command you today should be meaning we just spoke in the previous verse of the degree we have to love God, right? We have to love God with all of our possessions, with all of our life, with all of our money, with all of our hearts. So how does that express itself? That these words of Torah should be on your heart. Because when you reflect the words of Torah, you become aware of God and you attach yourself to him. So, in other words, this verse is speaking of contemplating the words of Torah. It doesn't seem to have any connection with the previous verse, which is speaking of love of God. So, Rashi is explaining that contemplation of Torah is an expression of love of God, because it brings to an awareness of God. The verse also says that I command you today. Now, the question is, what do you mean today? Obviously, this was commanded thousands of years ago. So, Rashi explains, in our eyes, we should view it like we just got it, new. Because if we know we got it thousands of years ago, human nature is, we, we don't think of it as significant. But if we think of it, something as we got today, we're tight about it. The next verse, and you should teach them to your sons and speak of them when you sit in your house, while you walk on the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So the word for to teach them in the Hebrew is vishinantam, not the common word for teaching. So Rashi explains the reason this word is used, the reason this root is used, is because it has the same meaning as something that's very sharp. That's the etymology of it. Shaninun, shanan, is sharpening. So you should teach Torah in such a way it should be so sharp in your mouth. Meaning if a person asks you a matter of Torah, it shouldn't be like, oh, mom, I'm not really sure. You should answer the person immediately. Now it says you should teach it to who? To your sons. So Rashi explains this doesn't mean literally your sons. It means your students. Because if the Torah had meant your sons literally, it would have used the singular. Because a person would teach his child maybe one at a time. But your sons are your students, as usually the teacher teaches students in groups. So, and then it's a bit of a long Rashi, because Rashi is proving here that we can call, and we do call, our students, our children. The students are called children, and the teacher is called the father. So therefore, when it says you should teach them to your sons, to your children, it means to your students. And the verse goes on to say, and you should speak of them. And Rashi explains this means this should be what you should talk about. This is the main thing you should talk about. The main thing you should talk about Torah. Everything else is secondary. Not that you're not allowed to talk about anything else, but qualitatively, the main thing is Torah and everything else is less important. Now, when should you speak about these things? So the verse says, when you lie down, when you walk, when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise. So the question is, now here we're talking here literally about saying these words of Shema. Remember, this is the first paragraph of Shema. These are the words we're supposed to be saying. 
So what does it mean when I lie down and when I wake up? I mean, I'm going to go to bed at 4 in the morning. I'm going to go to bed at 12 in the afternoon. When does it mean? So Rashi explains by proving, because of the other half of the verse, when you sit and when you walk, that it means the normal times for most people. So, in other words, say Shema when most people lie down at night and when most people get up in the morning, even if you personally do it a different time. And the next verse, and you should bind them as a sign on your arm and let them be as totafos between your eyes. So, the tefillin, the totafos, the phylacteries. So when it says you should bind them on your arm, Rashi says these are the tefillin that we wear on the arm. When it says they should be totafos between your eyes, Rashi says this is the tefillin that we put on the head. Now why are we calling this tefillin totafos? So Rashi says because the tefillin of the head contain four passages. And four connects to the word totafos because there are two African languages. One has the word tat and one has the word pat. And tat in the Caspi language means two. And pas in the Afriki language means two. And two plus two is four. So therefore, the tefillin of the head are called totafos. In other words, totafos is symbolic of four because of the four partios. <clears throat> the four Torah passages of Tefillin. Of course, you can wonder why is Rashi saying that the Torah is using a combination of words of two African languages. And many commentators speak about this, and there's lots and lots of different explanations. One way of understanding it is that, of course, originally there was only one language, the Holy Tongue. The world was created with Lashon HaKadosh, with the Holy Tongue. And after the tremendous sin the world went through with the Tower of Bavel, of Babylonia, all of the languages became jumbled and we became into 70 different languages. But sparks from the original holy tongue fell into each of the languages, which means that in every language there are words that really go back to that holy tongue. So one way of understanding this concept of Rashi, which Rashi uses a few times, this is a very classical example, with Totafos, is that in Afriki, that word tat, and in, uh, sorry, in Afriki, that word pas, and in kasi, that word tat, those words really come from Lashon HaKadosh, and that's why they are in the Chumash. And the last verse, not of our section, but of the Shema paragraph, and you should write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. So the doorposts of your house, Rashi says, is written without a vav, and this is to imply that you need to only put them on one doorpost, meaning in a, when you walk through a door, there's a doorpost with two posts. But you only put them on one. Or another way of understanding what Rashi's saying is, even if there's only one doorpost, meaning you're missing the other half, that doorpost still requires a mezuzah. And the last Rashi of the paragraph of Shema, and upon your gates... There's all the gates, not just in our home, the gates of our courtyards, the gates of our countries, the gates of our cities. Every gate of entrance requires a mezuzah. So that is the Parsha of Shema, which is the first verses of our Chumash portion of today. 
continuing, because we have more verses. So in the next verse, continuing, it should be when Hashem brings you to the land that Hashem swore to your fathers. He's going to give you all these great good cities that you did not build. So in this verse, in the Hebrew, it uses an unusual term here. I'm sorry, it's in the next verse, sorry, one more. Houses filled with every good thing that you did not fill, hewn out cisterns you did not hew, orchards and olive trees you did not plant. In other words, God's giving you a great thing. You, you didn't even work for all this. Somebody else did all this work, and you're getting it. You'll eat, and you'll be satisfied. So on this verse, it uses an unusual term, chatsuvim, hewn out, which isn't usually the word we would use. We would usually use a word like chafar, which means to dig, or kara, which means to dig. Chatsuvim means specifically hewn out from very stony ground, like you really had to hack out this, um, the cisterns that we did, that Somebody else worked really hard to make for you. So here you are. You're coming to this land. You're getting enormous cities, great cities, cities filled with all good. You didn't do a thing for them. So the next verse says, Beware, lest you forget God who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slaves. Meaning, unfortunately, human nature is when things are hard, sometimes it's easier to remember God because things are hard and you really desperately need him. And when things are all good and great and amazing, sometimes we start thinking how great and amazing we are that we somehow we're smart enough created all this great stuff and we forget about God so watch out that God's giving you all this good you shouldn't forget about God so it says who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slaves so Rashi clarifies this doesn't mean from the house of slaves you weren't slaves to slaves it means from the house of slavery that you were slaves you were enslaved in Egypt and you should fear God and you should serve him, and you should swear by his name. So Rashi explains that to me, if you do everything, meaning if you fear God, if you serve him, then you can use his name. Because we know that if you really fear him and serve him, you'll be careful of your oath. But if, if you don't meet the original conditions, if you don't fear him and serve him, don't swear by his name because we're scared you're going to take his name in vain because you're not going to respect that you just took his name. The next verse. Don't follow after the gods of the other people who are around you. Now, obviously, Rashi says, well, we're not allowed to follow any gods. I mean, in the time when the Jews were told this, the world around them was completely idolatrous. So it's not like, well, you could take someone's god if they live really far from you. But Rashi is saying that the verse is saying the people close to you, you're going to see their gods and them serving them more often, so it will be more tempting to you this desire to also serve these gods. Now, obviously, for us, it seems a little bizarre, like to have such a temptation to, to bow down to some, you know, wooden image or stone image or jeweled image. But it really was. We just, generally in the world, we don't have that temptation. It takes away from us. But it was replaced with temptations for things that we're really tempted by, like Balthor says the temptation for idolatry was replaced with the temptation with the service. Instead of serving idols, we worship now money. So we can understand worshiping money. We might personally be doing it, or we might know lots of people that do. So if that makes sense to us, this makes sense also. Um, the next verse says, Why should you not follow these idols? Because God is very zealous, and he's going to get really, really angry, and he's going to destroy you. 
And the next verse says, don't test God as you tested him at Masa. So Rashi reminds us, what does it mean at Masa? This is referring to when they left Egypt and they tested him and they said, oh, we don't have any water. Is God in our midst or not? Now, obviously, God had done so, so much for them. But, oh, suddenly we have a problem. Hey, is God really around? We don't even know. The next verse, you shall observe God's commandments, all different words for his commandments. Next verse, do what's fair and good in the eyes of God, so it'll be good for you, and you'll get this good land. So Rashi, on the words what's fair and good, explains this means going even beyond the letter of the law, even beyond what God's requiring. The next verse, if you, again, this is a continuation of the previous concept, that when you do what's fair and good, God's going to take care of you, He's going to push away all the enemies from before you because obviously when they're coming into Israel, there's, a, there's officially seven nations and there are 31 kings and there's lots of powerful forces they have to contend with. When you listen to God, God's going to push them away as, as we see in, our, in the history, in the early history, that when the Jews didn't listen, right away the nations in the land uh, made them lots and lots and lots of problems. So this says to this verse literally said, to push away all these enemies from before you as God spoke. So Rashi says, when did God say this? So he quotes the verse in Exodus, we're already now in, in Devarim, Deuteronomy, this is in Shmos, in Exodus, where God said that he will confuse the peoples of the land. He will do that, but only on this condition that you're listening to him. The next verse, and this is the last Rashi of our section, when your son will ask you tomorrow, what are all these laws that God commanded you? So Rashi says tomorrow sometimes means literally tomorrow and sometimes means in the future, after a long time, a long tomorrow away. So obviously here, Moshe does not just mean tomorrow, but he means that any time in the future your, God, your son will ask you this. And then the next verses, just to summarize them briefly, so you're going to tell your child, we were slaves to Paro in Egypt and God took us out and he put all these signs and wonders against the Egyptian, against Paro and his whole household. He took us out to bring us to this wonderful land that he promised our forefathers, and he commanded us to keep all of these commandments, to fear God, which will be good for us, which will give us life, which will give us all the blessings. And the more we serve God, the more it will be our merit and bring us all good in our life. And that is the Chumash portion of Friday.